0: The material in this podcast is for entertainment, educational, and informational purposes only. It is not a substitute for professional medical advice. You should not rely on this information to make any medical-related decisions. Nothing in this podcast constitutes a doctor-patient relationship, and nothing should be taken as specific medical advice for any given person. I hope you enjoy Marked Medicine. Lights, camera, action, go!
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the very first episode of Marked Medicine. I'm very excited to be here, and we are glad that you've chosen to join us. I'm Dr. Mark Brulte. And I'm an ER doctor with over 25 years of clinical experience in acute care medicine. Joining me today is my favorite nurse practitioner and my wife, Amanda Brulte.
0: I am his favorite, but like Mark said, my name is Amanda Brulte. I'm a family nurse practitioner. I've worked in pediatrics for eight years, and I've recently embarked on a new journey in my career. I'm now working with palliative and hospice patients, and I'm also super excited to be here, and I can't believe this is finally happening. This is the product of an idea that was born a few years ago.
1: Yeah, like... 30 years ago when I started working.
0: Well, parts of it anyway. But this is a dream come true of mine to watch this vision be brought to life. So you may be asking, why a podcast? Well, basically, if I've called Mark once and started out the conversation with, hey, Mark, I have a question. I've probably done that. How many times, Mark, would you say?
1: Once or twice, at least. A
0: few times. But not only have I done that, lots of other nurse practitioners have as well. Many family members, friends, co-workers have done that, and Mark has graciously answered every phone call and been excited about each and every one, at least all the ones that I've made anyway. Um, So you may not know this if you're listening, but we actually live in the state of Georgia, and nurse practitioners here do not practice independently. We function with a doctor that we enter into a protocol agreement with. And so that's that's not the only reason that I call Mark, though. I've actually never been in a protocol agreement with him. I call him because he's actually really good at what he does. And I'm not just saying that because he's my husband. And Mark's actually pretty humble about this, but I think he's got a gift for taking care of patients. But just so you can get a glimpse of why Mark and why people call Mark for direction so often with medical questions. Mark, how about you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and about your philosophy of medicine?
1: Well, I appreciate the compliments, but it's not a gift. There's no natural doctors. It's a learned skill. And Uh,
0: I I mean, I don't really all the way agree with you there, Mark, because I do think that you actually have a gift for it.
1: Well, at at any rate, uh, I think the thing that makes me a little different is my varied educational background. I was a dentist before I went to medical school. I did a lot of education and training, four years of college, four years of dental school, four years of medical school, four years of residency. I've been in practice for more than 25 years and predominantly in emergency medicine, but I also did general practice, including outpatient, inpatient and ICU care for a couple of years. So it's just been a lot of different types of taking care of really sick people for a long time. I was fortunate to go to very excellent schools and, resident, and an excellent residency program, and I think that learning happens in a lot of different ways, and that's a big part of what Marked Medicine is about. It's mainly a philosophy that I've developed over time that boils down to two questions. The first question is why. Why is this happening to the patient? Why are they sick? Why are they not changing for the better in the way that I anticipated? Why are things going in one direction and not the other? Why are they responding to therapies? You know, why is a big part of taking care of patients? And more importantly, the second question is, what would I do for this person if they were in my own family? And that's really the, the core and the critical question because that allows you to sleep well at night. You, you do the things that you do for people because it's the right thing to do and it's the best way to do it. And even though the patient may not always have a good outcome, at least you know you gave them the best opportunity to have a good outcome. And so that's really what this is all about. And I want to share that philosophy by interviewing people and learning from people, from people from all different um, backgrounds and walks of life. Some will be advanced practice practitioners, some will be physicians, some will be patients and patients' family members, some will be um people that do other types of jobs where they interact with people everybody has human interaction and those human interactions can teach can teach healthcare providers a lot of things you know they everybody has a unique experience and and a unique way of teaching us as healthcare providers what we need to know to best take care of people. And that's really what this is about. We want it to be educational. We want it to be informative. We want it to be entertaining. We want it to be very human and real. We want want you to laugh. We want you to cry. Mostly, we want you to learn.
0: So what would I do if this person were in my own family? I mean, let's just think about that for a minute. I'm sure the listeners, I'm sure if you're listening right now, I'm sure many of you have a doctor or a nurse practitioner that treats you that way. We're certainly not here to say that, you know, healthcare providers don't treat their patients that way. Instead, what we're here to do is just embrace that idea and provide, like Mark said, education and entertainment along the way as well for healthcare providers so that you can really embrace that core idea And keep that at the center of your practice. And, you know, again, when we first started talking about this, we were not sure exactly where we were going to go, how we were going to best share all this information, all these stories with the world. So we just started asking people to record with us. And as we recorded, we realized that not only does Mark have knowledge to share with the world, but lots of other people do as well. And as we were practicing for this show, my daughter, Sailor, actually said to me, she's like, wait, um... If this is the first episode, you know, how are how are you going to talk about the fact that you've already been recording? And I said, well, you know, oftentimes when you're writing an essay, your introduction paragraph doesn't remain the same. Oftentimes, as the story develops, you go back and you rewrite that introductory paragraph. And I think that that concept holds true for many situations in life. You know, where you start is not always where you end.
1: Our first guests are perfect examples of this concept. We do want people to know that we will handle adult themes and topics, some of which are very serious and sensitive, but the goal is to educate, inform, and help others, not to shock or disturb.
0: During this journey, we're gonna be talking to healthcare providers. We're gonna be talking to people with personal stories. We're seeking out healthcare providers and people with personal stories. Maybe you are a patient and you have a story that you'd like to tell, or a question you'd like to ask Mark. Maybe you're a healthcare provider and you feel like you have knowledge that's useful for all of us. Or maybe you have a personal platform that you're super passionate about. Maybe you want to share it with the world. You know, we want to hear from you. We want to learn from you. We really feel like that everyone will find something to relate to here at Marked Medicine. We also have lots of other things on the vision board and in the works, and we're super excited to bring those things to you in the future.
1: It's going to be great fun. There's going to be great information. It's going to be great entertainment. I can't wait. Really looking forward to it. If you go to our website, markedmedicine.com, and click on the About tab, you will find a more detailed discussion of my philosophy of patient care. I hope you will find it interesting, and I certainly hope you will join us in the future.
0: Hey, Mark. I have a question. Okay. How many times do you think I've asked you that question?
1: Do numbers go that high?
0: I doubt it. And from that concept, the idea of Marked Medicine was born with Dr. Mark Brulte.
1: And with Amanda Bruhlte, my favorite nurse practitioner.
0: And you're now listening to Marked Medicine.
1: Hello. We're glad you joined us here today at Mark Medicine. We're grateful to have our guest today. We have two guests. First is Miss Marnie Smith.
2: Hello. Thank you for having me. It's
1: our pleasure. She is a pre-K teacher with over 16 years of experience and has a personal story to share with us that is very important. And we also have Miss Heather Day, a school nurse with over 25 years of experience. How are you?
3: I'm great. Thank you. Appreciate y'all having us. Thank y'all
0: for joining us. We really do appreciate it.
1: Very much our pleasure. This is a very important and serious topic that we have today. We we hope we can benefit everyone and maybe prevent a future tragedy. Also, perhaps as healthcare providers, we can learn how to properly deliver care with compassion under very trying circumstances. So I think we just need to get right into it. Um, Marnie? How are you, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. So good. start with your story. Start how you best feel we should start this story.
2: Um I can start by saying that I lost my daughter to suicide four years ago and you would have never picked it up. She was outgoing, a cheerleader, had friends, was busy, and never knew that anything that was troubling her that night that she did this. She, nobody's ever asked, but I will share it on here. She had actually taken over-the-counter sleep aid that you get. We still don't know how many or whatever, but if you saw her on the street every day, you would have never thought that she was dealing with something like depression or something that was really bothering her, enough for her to want to take her
1: own life. And your daughter's name is? Caroline. And she was how old? Sixteen. Sixteen. Beautiful girl. Thank you. And so when this occurred in your family, mm-hmm. shocking is yes. not a big enough word, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, can you relate the events? or
2: What happened that night, which I share this story often, We ha- it was Valentine's Day. And so that was the last night me and her and her brother— got to be together and I said, I bought him a heart-shaped pizza from Danny's mm-hmm. and we sat around the bar that night and ate and just listened to her and her brother talk. There was a two year age difference, she was the oldest. And then she left to go to the baseball game at the high school. And when she came home, that it was probably about 9.30, you know, she seemed fine or whatever. So she went to bed, her brother was already in bed, and she went to bed and then I went to bed. Then I woke up about 1 o'clock to a message from her on my phone that said, check on me when you get up in the morning. So I run to her room to find her laying in her bed having seizures. So I immediately call 911, and I don't know if y'all want graphic stuff, but, you know, I, I've never seen someone doing that. And at that point, she was already starting to phone out of her mouth, and she was starting to lose her color. So I knew to start doing CPR on her. And so I started doing CPR on her, and I did that until the ambulance got there, which to me seemed like forever. forever. Mm -hmm. And so then by the time the EMTs got there, which those two EMTs that came that night still to this day have contact with me. And they... One of them actually kept the heart strip of Caroline, and she still has it. So I remember when they came in the room, you know, I'm panicking, they're, and I'm screaming at them, and they're trying to get me to go. And Caroline had written letters. They were laying on her bed. And so they got Caroline, you know, they had to do that thing to her chest. I remember they put her down on her floor, and I was like, you know, any mom for a teenager, I was like, oh. Oh, oh, my God. First off, her room's a disaster. I'm like, y'all are in here, and she's got crap everywhere. Yeah. You right. know? Just I was like, keep the clothes away to try to get her down, you know? And they were doing that as I start reading some of the, the top letters for me. She'd written me and her brother. She'd written Addison, Heather's son, because they were lifelong best friend. And then she'd written four other of her good friends. And I kind of was just reading through it, and I got to the part that I wished that I would have told you how I was feeling because I knew that you would have got me help. Mm-hmm. And so then I just really didn't know what to do. So my parents came over because they lived down the street. They It took them a while to get Caroline stable enough. They had to get another ambulance to come to the house mm-hmm. because they had to have so many go in there with her. And so I remember the whole ride to the hospital here in Douglas behind the ambulance, just thinking, they got to do something. Mm -hmm. I mean, surely we got to to do something. And I told mama, I said, my mother rode with me. I said, it looks like she's doing good because they're going faster now. But when we got to the hospital, I had to wait a few minutes and then they let me go in there. And at that point, they kind of were just telling me, we've got to get her out of here because I think they knew then. I don't know how long she had went without oxygen because she had, was starting to lose her color. And um, so I was like, well, this is hopeful if they're thinking they're going to be able to fly her out. So they flew her to Savannah. Me and Heather, I rode with Heather. And when we got there, they had already placed her on the ventilator and everything else at that point. And the doc- that doctor was asking us, what you know, because the only thing that we found that she had taken was that the over the counter sleep aid, like a Walmart brand. Mm-hmm. And the doctor was like, I mean, there's nothing in her, like, she has no drugs, no nothing in her. I mean, you know, that's obviously she had just had too many of that, and it was too much Benadryl type stuff. You know, I don't really know the medical part of it, but um, so she was in there from February the 15th. And and she passed away on February the 17th, which I think that the neurologist, basically, because when we got in there, you know, of course, I've never seen somebody on a ventilator and you come across to see your child. And I'm standing at the end of her bed looking at the thing hooked in her mouth. And I'm looking at her eyes and she's just, I mean, of course, her eyes are closed and she's nothing. And so I kept going up to her touching her and talking to her and just not seeing a reaction. I think they already knew, but the neurologist came in and I don't think they wanted her to go as long as I kind of warned them to. And I said, no, there's got to be something else. I mean, can't we? And he said, okay, we'll give her till we'll do the test on the 17th to see if she has any kind of response. But the whole time she was there, We would talk to her, and I would even open her eyelids to try to see. And, of course, you know, her eyes aren't there. And um, they came in on February the 17th. He did different kind of tests. I remember I had to sit in the room with her, and I was completely, we had to be completely silent. He took her hands, and he put them in ice and then ice water to see if she had any response. They would lift her eyelids. Of course, there was... Never any kind of response or anything. And so then he told me that he was sorry that she had passed away and that basically the ventilator was the only thing keeping her alive. Mm -hmm. So after that, a woman came in about donating Caroline's organs because they said she was healthy. You know, nothing had missed. They were kind of having a hard time a little bit with her kidneys at that point, but they were still keeping all that going. And, um, so Caroline was a organ donor. She, her kidney, one of her kidneys went to a 63-year-old in Georgia. That's all I know. Um, her heart went to a 61, 61-year-old mother of three in Kentucky. She also has, I've heard from several tissue recipients and, and her eye recipient, who is an artist who now can, Go back to doing art because she can see again, and um, so it kind of hit hard, you know. After that, because I would have never thought one of my children would commit suicide, and I I know that there was something they said about a boy, you know, and stuff like that, but it just at that time, if they could see how much they're valued could they think about it you know but I'm glad I can speak about it because I think Caroline would want me to because I think that she would want me to get it out that you do need to know your worth and things like that and she I've said it and I can say it on here it's hard for a parent to want to keep living after you lose your child. But I said my purpose was Caroline and her brother Trent, that I got to keep doing it for them. And you know, as a parent, you go through the different things of grief. As soon as Caroline passed away, she passed away in February. In March, I had my son going to see Mary Pye in Valdosta. I don't know if y'all know her, but she's phenomenal. And he, I had him talking to her every month and he still does. And he's in college now, but no, he doesn't go every month. But it took me until last year to talk to Mary. And she said, that's because you're not ready. You're not ready. You need to know when you're ready. And I can tell you, you're not ready. But, you know, of course, after Caroline passed away, a lot of people were like, well, you need to get on medicine. I was like, no, because you can't medicate losing somebody and I still have to deal with it every day. But suicide is a hard issue because people don't like to talk about it. Mm-hmm. People don't like to talk about their mental mm-hmm. health and that they're sad right. and that they're depressed it's because it's, it's like it used to be a taboo. Right. Yeah, you know, we That's don't right. talk about that. Right. That's right. You would have never thought that something was bothering her because was she your typical teenager? Yes, she was moody. Just I mean, like a teenage right. girl. But you, she wasn't one that was withdrawn. Right. didn't talk to anybody, you know. So you would have never thought that this was something that just crossed her mind. And I never thought that night, as happy as she seemed, that that's how the night was going to end.
1: I um, for twenty five years, I've uh, been out of residency. Hundred thousand patients, thousands of tragedies, and uh, it's it's almost impossible for me to sit here and listen to you. You're incredibly brave. Um, Heather, how long have y'all been friends?
3: Actually, Marnie was one of my very first friends in the whole wide world. We've been friends since we were about four years old. Um, we went all the way. We didn't go to grade school together because she went to east side and I went to west side. But um, our sisters were friends and we became friends in middle school. We were the the bratty little sisters that nobody let hang out with them that I, I kid. And I tell Marnie, I mean, I I tell everybody Marnie and I were the, we were the best car thieves in the world. My sister and her sister, they could drive well before we could, but that didn't keep us from stealing those cars and getting uptown. So, uh, Marnie and I have, um, we have a lifelong history together. Um, and, uh, and my son and Caroline um, were very close, and the same age, right? They, well, Addison's a year older. Okay, actually, just a couple of months, but he was a grade older. Okay, but um, I don't. There's not a single memory um, that I don't associate her with, and uh, I tell people a lot of times that I couldn't have loved her anymore if she had have been mine, and that's the god's honest truth. And uh, I, I told Marnie that night, whenever um, I got. Actually, the the first thing I did was I went and woke Addison up because we knew that she had talked to Addison. And I said, baby, what what did she say? Mm -hmm. And um, my reaction was inappropriate that night. And I have um, had to fiercely apologize to my own son for that because I said, baby, why didn't you come get me? Why didn't you wake me up? And he said, mama, she promised me she was fine. And Mm -hmm. he's literal. He's a child. And he took it as... She's fine, which she had had told them that she was fine, you know, and that whatever she was upset about, whatever was bothering her was gonna be fine. So I went down to the hospital and um when they said they were gonna ship her, I told Marnie, I said, Well, let's we're we're gonna we're gonna be fine. You know, like I thought we're gonna get to Savannah, they're gonna, they're gonna pump, they're gonna bind, and we're gonna be fine. And um, the second we entered the room, I knew we were not. I I knew medically, um, with my background that we were not. Um, but thankfully she had some amazing, amazing doctors and they did, did, they did a lot to, um, to help our feelings. I feel Mm -hmm. like, and, and to help the enormous amount of of children that were there to show their support. And, um, no matter how many times I hear the story or tell the story, I still cry Mm -hmm. and, and it's as fresh today as it was then. And and um, that, don't, that doesn't change. Mm-hmm. That doesn't get better. But what does get better is seeing the strength that talking about it gives her. Mm-hmm. Then, then I know we're going to be okay. We're going to get through this and she's going to be okay. Because mm-hmm. since she has started talking about it, I visibly see the strength that it gives her. So the more she talks, the more she gives her story, the more she tells exactly the details of what happened that night, I can physically see the strength that it gives her. So that, that is gonna be the good out of this. There is gonna be good everywhere we turn from this. Absolutely. And and I've already seen it. And that that makes a world of difference. But I think that, you know, she she has been so good. We we started she started talking and it's like everywhere wants her to talk, right. you know. And right. And so I'm kind of the tag along and I'm kind of making sure everything's good, you know, and we we go and, and she talks and people are moved their The rooms are silent. Nobody utters a peep. She just actually talked to Axon County's opening convocation, which is every employee in Axon County School System. And they sit in silence. All you could hear was was tears, you know, because. A lot of them were female because they're, you know, in right. education. So a lot of them were female, and and it was completely relatable to almost everybody in that right. room. And so I think that's what you know. um, A big side of this is that you know, don't assume. Don't assume right. that these kids are not at risk because that's right. they don't tell you or they don't. They're not withdrawn. They're not having issues. You know, and and um. And one other thing that I'll say for sure is Caroline was very bright. She's a very smart girl. Very, very smart girl. Um, had a stubborn streak a mile wide, but she mm-hmm. got it honest. Mm-hmm. And and she she would speak her mind and tell you. So you would you would have assumed that she would have been one that would come and say, Mama, you know, I'm struggling. I gotta do this, I gotta do that. So you can't assume. You can't assume with your own children. You can't assume when, when kids come to you like as a school nurse, you know, we have we both are, work at Ambrose, and, and we have some lower-income kids. You know, some kids with some real problems. You know, so don't don't assume because you have one or two that don't that they're they're above this because they're not nobody. Nobody is above this kind of thing, and and it and when it does happen, you can't. You know, I, I saw Marnie mentioned the stages of grief, and I saw those firsthand with her, mm-hmm. literally stage by stage and the worst one for me to see as her friend was the regret and the second guessing of what she did and I Mm -hmm. she had no business second guessing anything that she did as a parent because she's been a she's been nothing but a good mama you know we've raised our children together and I I tell people all the time I remember days when we scraped up quarters and packed lunches and took our kids to the beach and I mean you know they were they were raised like siblings, and and I would have never guessed it. I right. I second-guessed myself. I talked to Caroline two days before this happened. You know, we had a serious conversation about how I was going to blister her behind for being snappy to her mama. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I said, and, she was a typical teenager. <laughs> right. And she said, Girl. Aunt Heather, it takes I will. A village. <laughs> yes, it does. I said, you get your butt on that phone and apologize mm-hmm. to your mama. She said, Aunt Heather, I will. I said, okay. You know, so it's, you know, you just... That was the hardest part of the whole thing to mm-hmm. me was, was seeing her, her have guilt over something that mm-hmm. she
2: did not have to have any guilt over. She's been a fantastic That's right. mom. Well, thank you. But, you know, I said with suicide, you know, you, you're left with daily why. Right. You never are going, like if someone's right. diagnosed with cancer, you, you know right. the why. Yeah. But with this, you don't know the why. So That's I right. still question myself, did I not do this? good enough did I not do this and now she was the princess because she was the first grandchild and the first great grandchild so she was spoiled but it's just like she was stubborn she was your typical teenager me and her would go to blows, but just like, just, just, just like you just normal. normally yeah. do. That's and no, normal. no excessive behavior, no,
3: you know, no, nothing. no risky behavior, nothing that, you know, that we, we could have identified at, at the time
2: for sure. Yeah. So. And I still, I can still go, I still go through the stages of grief. Mm-hmm. Now, every night I don't sleep because I'm scared. I blame myself because when she came in, you know, she was fine, but... I have fell asleep for a moment to wake up to my guilt is how long has she been laying in there before I woke up to the message, check on me when you get up in the morning. Mm -hmm. So I was like, so I don't sleep at night because I'm scared. I'm I'm scared of the what ifs. Mm -hmm. And every time I close my eyes, I still see her laying there having seizures. That's, that's what I see. And that's why people said, you need medicine. I said, no, I don't want medicine because that does not go away. That's something that you'll just always see and deal with. But, like, my son is at college. I'm scared to death something's going to happen to him. So that's why I'm just like, that's another what if. So I don't go to sleep. I just sit there. And I think that that's how it's always going to be. You know, you hear
3: you hear in society all the time that, that suicide leaves such a, such a hole, mm-hmm. such a void. And, and that is, that is the truth. It and is. it's not just it for is. the people directly involved. Her friends have That's that, right. um, you know, her family, her grandparents, her aunts uncles, you know, you know, we, we all have that. And, um, but it, it is, it is a selfish thing in the, in that respect, mm-hmm. you know, that it, that it does make you question things. And you do, you do worry about things that you wouldn't have before. And, and so, you know, she is right. I see her struggle with that daily, that what if something happens to Trent? And what if, you know, something happens, you know, um, and a lot of, a lot of Marnie's has turned, has turned into not taking care of herself, focusing more on you know, her children at school. What she's not telling is she came back to work immediately um, because she had to. Mm -hmm. She said, you know, I can't, I can't stay home. I can't, I can't stay here. Um, But then there are comforting things that that you can think back on, like the amazing emergency room staff, like the amazing flight nurses that, that did things that looking back now, give us some peace knowing that they tried, knowing that we were in the right place, knowing that they did, you know, the things came in, that we could live
2: with, you know? I have, like, I wear around my neck. It's her thumbprint. When she was in Savannah, they came in and they wanted... They brought the plaster in there and made the imprint of her hand, which I have sitting by my bed. And then they did her thumbprint that we could send out. They sent off, and it makes into the the charm and everything. But just those nurses were like... They saw how many people... Her friends sat in front of those automatic doors. It was just rows of them. And they were like, we have never seen anything like this. They gave them markers and paper. They all drew and wrote notes, and they wanted them to hang them in Caroline's room. So, and, you know, then we'd all come in there, and the nurses start reading and be like, do I really want to know what happened that night? I said, no, we probably don't (laughs) really want to know what happened that night. But it would just give us something... To laugh at, you know, right. and just keep every... And I'll never forget her first nurse when we got there was a male nurse. And I had him turn a red because I was trying to be positive And I was like, Caroline, if you could see how handsome your nurse is <laughs> right now. And he was like, stop, you're making me blush. But they were just so... Took such good care of us and took such good care of her. And like her very last nurse, which she had been with her a couple of times. She was pregnant with twins. When they took Carolina into the the OR for her organs, she would text me back and forth, you know, let me know how it was going. And, you know, most of the time, probably when you leave, you don't get that same contact and interaction, but they still did. And even after she passed away, some of the nurses still reached out. And like I said, the EMTs from here, I don't know if we could use names, but they were the two that actually came and they are still in contact because they said that it was just an impact that mm-hmm. night. They had never mm-hmm. seen something like that, you know, and to see that she was not a troubled child or right. she was not, there wasn't a list of that she's always been right. so depressed or something like that. They said she just made an impact on that night. Like I said, Paige still has Caroline's heart strip from when they got her heart back. Mm-hmm. And she said, I keep it in my pocketbook and I still keep it. And Jenny reaches out to me, like when they brought the uh, organ quilt, the organ donation quilt to the Coffee Regional just this past April, Sarah reached out because Caroline's picture was on it from that year. And Jenny, she'll tell me they've got the organ donation flag up and, you know, they're just, they have really helped me a lot. And, and they even come to the house and see me sometimes and stuff like that it just shook our community because nobody saw something like this coming coming right and then we also had a cluster. what
3: they what they've identified now as a cluster after that you know we had another uh, another child that actually passed away from suicide it was two um, weeks two weeks two weeks later and then we had several attempts in the area So um, that's deemed by the Department of Public Health as a cluster activity. Mm -hmm. So um, out of that cluster activity, um, Know Your Worth was born. The Know Your Worth campaign was born from that. Um, And so there are positives Mm -hmm. in this whole thing. Um, And like I couldn't help but be in medical thinking – you know, those nurses probably never thought that what they were doing would one day be something positive that right. she can think on. So, yeah. you know, like right. just the little things That's that right. stood out, like like the flight nurse contacting us, like we might not have thought a whole lot about it that very second, right. but thinking about it four years, years later, later, that right. got us safely to Savannah. Right. And that and got it, us there. And it took her all of 10 yes, seconds absolutely. to And right. like, and, and I remember, I can't tell you her name, I can tell you exactly what she looked like, but we went in one morning she had braided Caroline's hair. They told us to go get... Um, toenail polish And they would paint You know we let They let us paint fingernails And toenails And you know Things like that That
2: just somebody Went out of their way yeah, Just right you know to be just, just one kind. little thing I said and I think they did it too Because they knew mm-hmm. The severity And they knew That Caroline had already Basically passed away yeah. But they were just and I, it, they were just so nurturing and just, yeah. they would love on her and, and they would, you know, and.
3: But things that stand out for years, years later. Yeah. The that, compassion. That make yes. you feel like, you know, right. we got through that. Yeah. We're going to get the through The fact this. you got to paint your baby's right. toenails. Yeah. 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 You know, or, or that we were able to collect all the notes that the friends have written on the walls, you know, just things that, you know. They somebody, even made her a
2: quilt. Right. They came in because they have a group that makes quilts for mm-hmm. kids in the NICU. They came in and they said, we've got Carolina Quilt. Can we put it on the end of her bed? And then they made her a pillowcase. You know, I mean, they just were constantly just there. And they were so nice and compassionate. Uh, They even let me camp out in that little waiting room right beside Mm -hmm. I remember it was right beside her room. Actually, a little
3: doctor's lounge. Doctor's (laughs) lounge took over. And they, I mean, I, I think the... The doctor was really supposed to get some rest but in there, yeah. but
0: like literally <laughs> they let yeah, Because I told him I He didn't need any of that. Doctors, <laughs> right? no, no, it
2: seems
1: good. doctors need to work. They don't <laughs> yeah, the rest. Yeah. There, there's not enough of them. They can all just sleep later. They, are-
2: they went and got us blankets to lay on that little couch because it was directly connected to her room. And I was like, I don't want I, I to leave. Now, my parents got to stay and my son stayed. I let them stay at the Ronald McDonald. Mm-hmm. But me and Heather and my older sister... Stayed right there in the, you know, they never ran us out. They never said, you've got 30 minutes to get, no, they were like, you, hey, you want another chair to put your feet in while you're in this little cubicle with, and it was, you know, and I would just lay there at night and I would hold her hand and I just knew then that she really wasn't there, that she had probably already passed away, but I would just hope and pray she could hear everything I was telling her. About how much she was loved and how much we all loved her, and this and that. But just the compassion from the medical providers there made it somewhat easier. That's not an easy situation to be in, but you could tell that they were parents, right. or, you know, and so they let me do what I wanted to with her because i think they knew she was gone too they were just helping give me time a,
1: a lot of what mark medicine is about well really what it is about is i want healthcare providers and patients both to understand that you know you should treat your patients as if they're a member of your own family and and patients need to understand that they deserve that and so every question that i had written ahead of hand uh, ahead of time about this podcast today y'all have touched on and done a far better job than anybody could ever hope for but one of the questions specifically was the impact uh, upon y'all and your families that the the attitude and the the caring nature of the healthcare providers you've more than adequately touched on that but what can y'all tell the healthcare providers about what this does for a family at the at, in an acute end of life situation, I mean, yeah, obviously, you want, y'all are still providers? talking about it four years later, and and the impact that these people had on y'all. I, I don't think the importance of what we as healthcare providers do and how we treat families can be overstated.
0: Well, and before you get into that, let me just say that um, Nick and I have a family member who passed away by suicide, and you're right, the impact is not just on one or two, you know, and the impact is forever and it lasts forever and it never goes away. And I do think it's important for healthcare providers to remember that there's, there's a person, and there's a family on the other side of
2: this that forever carries this with them. Uh, Yes. See, that's what I was saying. I think, you know, you're not ever, you're left with why. And like a healthcare provider can prepare a family. If this person has cancer or if they were in an automobile accident and this is what, but I think once you could tell with those nurses and that doctor that they were just as taken back by, I mean, you know, this is a vibrant, healthy 16-year-old who we're laying here looking at right now that has committed suicide. And you could see the genuineness in them that they they couldn't answer the why, but they wanted to help try to give a little peace, but you never have peace from it. But they were just for the healthcare providers to know, just to take the time, let that person cry to you. The nurses even cried with me. And because they were just like, you know, she's just, you would have never thought it just looking at her. They even told us that they said, um, Marnie and I were in the room with
3: them and, um, they told us that they had never seen the amount of, support, love, friends with, with a patient like that. They had had other kids in that ICU that had committed suicide. They yeah. shared that with us. Um, but they said they lay there alone or they lay there with a mama that's crying or, or a daddy yeah. or, or something, but never like two waiting rooms and hallways full of, of friends. Right. And, you know, um, people came, you know, they flooded in. So they were, they were even, I, what what I'm saying by saying all of that mm-hmm. is I think it was a learning experience right, for them right. because they were they right. were admittingly saying we haven't seen this That's right. you know um, so I, I think it was we were all learning
2: together and just their willingness to accommodate us and to help us and do we need any, do we want to talk to anybody do we want you know they wanted to make sure we were okay not only was Caroline okay but they wanted to make sure all of us were okay like me and Heather, my sisters and her brother and then all her friends, you know, they wanted to make sure they were okay. Super proactive about the feelings of
3: the, the, the other teenagers that were there because they were,
2: you know, obviously
3: upset, obviously shaken. Um, and so their, their offers extended even to, to begin taking care of them, Right. you know?
0: Well, and this should be a learning experience, you know, to let all of us know that, you know suicide doesn't always look like how you may think it looks like in the book or in the text and you know as we talked a little in our text you can learn so much more from people's experiences versus what you can learn reading a book Mm -hmm. but you're right this it doesn't always look like the person who is withdrawn and quiet and who's been telling you over and over again you know i'm gonna take my life away or whatever um that's a great learning experience. And I touch a little bit on when you talked about the stigma, maybe both of y'all did of mental health and you I've heard you mention cancer a couple yeah. of times. You know, it's and we've talked about this before, but there is a stigma around mental health. And I'm not yes. sure mm-hmm. I'm not sure if you experienced this. I know it sounds like y'all had a lot of support. Now you have great support Heather, but you know, God God forbid, but you know, parents who have children with um terminal illnesses, you know, we're we, we're in the south You know mm-hmm. You want to do something To help them You show up You try to take your casserole You send flowers You're texting What can I do You're posting You know You're whatever yeah. And you know Some people Because of the stigma Of mental health You know Their child may be Going through something You know a mental health issue Or whatever And all of a sudden, you know, there's there's not always somebody there bringing a casserole asking, are you okay? You know, instead, it's almost like the opposite. You know, right. society's looking at you like, well, what did and i'm not sure if you experience this but well, what did you do to cause this or yeah. What's what did going you do over there yeah what mm-hmm. did you do to make her do that or you must have done something you know i've even read things like that on facebook you know mm-hmm. it's like well if you have a child that does this well look at yourself and you know it's not it's not always that way and it it is very sad for people that there's
2: such a stigma yes. with mental health issues and i think that's why so many why some of the suicide rate has went up because there is such a stigma. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, it's well, like, social media is uh, right. a, a right. huge contributing Absolutely. factor now.
3: Um, you that. know, that, that we didn't have. That's and right. Not, we're that old. That know is saying? right. You know,
2: we, we didn't, didn't have, have it. that. It's um, a whole different um, world You know, and one of Caroline's great friends, Timothy, he uh, works at the hospital. He grew up, went all through Ambrose with Caroline and he's re- great. They were all great friends. He even said to me and Heather and us in one of our when we went and spoke last year in Jekyll Island at a family connections thing doing dealing with mental health. And I had first time I shared Every Caroline's st- story yeah. and it was for all of our regions um, thing. He said, black people didn't talk about mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. mental health. Mm-hmm. You sure didn't tell your mom and them. You didn't tell your daddy, your grandma, none of them. He said but after Caroline passed away, he said, they immediately their whole friend group, and plus some of his with his other friends. He said every day they decided they were doing a wellness check on each other. And he mm-hmm. said, "And we're done mm-hmm. with this stuff. Right. You know that? Right. Oh my God, it's it's terrible that right. you, you're sad. Yeah, what you a know, legacy. Yeah, he was like, we're not doing. So he said they still to this day every single day check on each other to make sure. He said because it is a serious issue that, that people that don't was know. one thing that was that was born out of know your worth too is is the
3: collaborative was pastors, counselors, greenleaf, um, you know, surrounding county. Um we had we had the mayor, we had county commissioners, they had, you know, everybody was on board with that, um, kind of addressing it with with every group of people that, you know, were here in our county. You know, um
0: because, because everybody issue. can make such an impact. That's right. Right. That, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's
1: one of the things that one of my questions was, um, since this is was an adolescent, okay, this mm-hmm. was a teenager, um, your daughter, uh, what do you think the main stressors of modern adolescence are? I've got a list, and I don't know, and I know it all overlaps, on one, and, it's not, and it's not so cut and dried, uh, mm-hmm. but I, some people have intrinsic depression, there's mm-hmm. social media, mm-hmm. and the mm-hmm. Which I call fake book. Okay? Right. I mean it's yeah. you know uh, um, I know the kids don't do Facebook, but you get it, uh, the concept. And there's peer pressures and wanting to fit in. There's drugs, alcohol. There's relationships that they think are so important and yeah. the end all be all oh, of life. Exactly. And literally in 20 years they won't even remember the person's right. name. But, so, it's, but it is important to the, on- at at the young. Yeah. So I don't right. know which ones of those y'all considered to be the most important or it's different per individual? I, you know, I don't know. I mean, help, help us all.
3: I think it's It's a combination of of all of them. I really (laughs) do. And I, I think that, um, not even speaking medically, just as a mama, I think, um, sometimes personally that I have failed to realize in my children that things that, they think are a big deal i do not right, exactly and so we have yeah right. it doesn't matter what we think that's you know right. um it just matters what they think and, and whatever right. they think is is their reality that's whether right. it's right or whether it's wrong and you know we can say you know it's not even gonna matter in 10 mm-hmm. years it doesn't matter it matters to them this, that's you know? right that's right so you know I, I think it's a combination of all of it right i really do and I think As kids are under
2: a lot of pressure. They so much are, more pressure they than they are. We, it, it's coming from different yeah. avenues. And, and it's hitting them at such a young right, age, too, to right. be under so much That's right. pressure. That's and right. they got to make better grades. That's right. Gotta, That's
3: right. You know, we were talking earlier about, you know, children having to decide pathways in the ninth right. grade. I mean, my God, we just went to school. That's right. You know, and half the time we didn't do that. We yeah, skipped. And we didn't have, you know, right. we were okay. That's we all right. turned out fine. So what I was talking to my daughter about it. And I was like, you're not going to believe this. When I, you know, Aunt Marnie and I went to school. We went to high school and then we went to college. And we all turned out fine, That's you know. Right. We're fine, That's you right. know. So there's just a lot of pressure and see, on kids. Caroline.
2: She was in the gifted program, perfectionist, and I was on. You're going to be an undergraduate, undergraduate. But now when we graduated, you had undergraduate and vocational. Mm-hmm. You That's still right. went to college. You still went to South That's Georgia right. the University, of Georgia, Harvard, wherever you wanted to go. You still did it, whether you did vocational. But I was like, no, you're you're going to and. I, I, I learned, and then after, and honey, she would book it. Mm-hmm. But, honey, she might go in one day, have a zero, mm-hmm. and then the next day come out with a 95 in the class. I'm like, you know, don't have to do anything. But I was like, these kids are under so much pressure. Yeah. It's, from, it's And so when Trent came along, I was like, when he was, because he was in ninth grade when Caroline passed away, I was like, you know what? If you're an honor graduate, right. an honor graduate. It makes you I see things I, differently. I, yeah, I don't care. I don't That's care. Right. That, that is not important to me. You want to go to school, I back you. You don't want to go to school. I back, back you. you. That's and right. So, like she I said, now he's way. in Athens and straight A's. And I'm like, and he missed being an undergraduate graduate by a tenth of a point, but I was like, hey, look where you're at. I mean, you're still doing this. It didn't, just, it didn't affect him at all. There's so many. Well, I don't remember who were honor graduates. You don't. You, know, uh, you don't. The pressure not me. You don't remember. <laughs> no, of just being a teenager, yeah. you've got girl boy stuff. You mm-hmm, got. Mm-hmm this one might think she's a little more overweight mm-hmm. and really she's not. She's That's perfect. Right. That's right. This one might have a zit. This
1: That's one's right.
2: This got black hair, but she'd be prettier blonde. You know, I mean, there's just so much they have to do de- right. that. We didn't have to right. deal with. And, and I
3: think there's and people, stigma with talking yes, to your parents. About there that. is. You know, like there saying, is. because, you know, I, I tried, you know, go in and, and I, I, I tell people a lot of times, this tragedy made me parent different. Mm-hmm. It made, it made me. It does. It made yes. me be a human different yeah. when I, you go I mean, through. I, that sounds odd to say, but no. it really it it changed my parenting. It changed my life. It changed the way I react to things, and um, it kind of lines a lot of things up as really don't matter. Yeah. You know, really, really, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. You know, and and so, but I, but I think that you know, like my daughter and I have a relationship where, you know, we can talk. My son and I have a relationship. We can talk. I'm, you know just as involved as Marnie was in their life. That's you right. Know? I mean, you can think you got all that figured out, but there's things they go through that they don't there tell is. anybody about. That's right. You know?
0: Well, and it's interesting you say that because, you know, and I'm sure you learned this in school too, but one of the things that we actually do learn is just ask the person, you right, know, right. are yeah. you okay? Are mm-hmm. you thinking about hurting yourself? And I feel I've had to do that a couple of times in, in my job and I've had to do that couple of times with family members and it's hard mm-hmm. to do that it's hard to ask yeah. that mm-hmm. and i i do think it matters though sure. you know and i think
2: it- well that day that that happened caroline had woke up with a sore throat and so i said all right well your grandma will take you to your lifelong pediatrician who thought caroline hung the moon because she was the only one that could talk him out of a shot he, and when I went to see him afterwards, because you know, since they flew in the helicopter, there was so much insurance stuff. We, had. he was just like he never knew because she was perfectly fine that morning. Same. When that same day, when he he said he would have never thought it, but from when he saw her that morning, because she was just like she was any other time she comes in, that had came in his office, that he would have never thought that she was sad. So, well, and let
0: me say, I don't, I wish you wouldn't beat yourself up for what you said to your son or what you did or didn't say. And I wish you wouldn't beat yourself up. And I know that's easier said than done. But the reason I say that is because you both deserve grace. We all do. And give yourself some grace. I can see where sometimes, you know, someone on the outside, again, you know, may want to, I'm not saying in your situation, but they may want to say, well, what was going on or. Yeah. What was missed or what was this or right. what was that? You know, that's not always the case. Right. It's not always textbook. And you should give yourself grace because everybody's just getting up for the most part and doing the best they can yeah. every day.
2: For them. For them.
1: Yep. And, you know, I actually had scribbled down a comment early on listening to y'all speak about I heard the guilt in your, mm-hmm. in your statements and, and we of, felt from both of the y'all. guilt <laughs> and it's, I think it's, and I'm certainly not a psychiatrist, but I think it's a guilt born of frustration and a lack of control. Yeah, okay. I think that.
0: Cause if anybody, cause if you could change it, you would. And and sure, absolutely. And I
1: heard, I heard Heather say that her reaction that night was unacceptable or abnormal mm-hmm. or whatever words you use, but I, describe normal in this that's situation right. there isn't a there normal isn't. right and You're so right. I don't I don't think that that's I, I understand the emotion behind it but I think anybody observing it that's objective and fair would say that's
0: right,
1: right. That, and, and that's I'm, really
0: right and I'm not sure if incorrect, it's
1: incorrect an, and inappropriately placed guilt upon yourself and you too as a mother and yeah. and well, so and the other thing that I heard y'all say was why why and a part of, another part of marked medicine is I tell people healthcare providers you know ask why why is this happening to a patient you know and I'm speaking pathophysiologically trying to make a diagnosis mm-hmm. and that's great that's fine that's science to the limits that we can utilize it to help people and overcome disease and treat disease but this is a different kind of why right. this is there's oftentimes in life not a why that you can understand there's only a what. Okay. Well, it is a different kind of why,
0: but not, I mean, and I'm kind of
1: frustrating to hear, but true. I know I'm
0: kind of butting in, but it's that I think you're, I have a very relevant point that goes along with what you're saying. And maybe you can help me put it into words, but maybe because of the stigma, you feel like you don't know the why, or you feel like it's a different kind of why, because I don't know, you know, mothers who have children who have a terminal diagnosis, again, God forbid, I know you're very active in childhood cancer awareness and, you know, I don't know if they always sit around and i oh, sure they ask why. Sure, yeah, oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. But I don't know that it's the same. Right. And why not? You know, because what your daughter went through is no different. Absolutely.
1: It's no different. That, and I think that's exactly the point I'm trying to make. Why does somebody get cancer? Well, is it genetics? Is it right. is it uh, toxins in the environment? Is it uh, radiation exposure? Is it some combination of all these things? And that's generally the 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 thought process these days, except for people with you know clear genetic predispositions, again, is it's multifactorial. It's we don't there's no specific why, Mm -hmm. okay, and no more should the families of cancer patients be stigmatized than the than the families of yeah of suicide victims.
0: That's right Mm -hmm. because nobody's nobody blames the mother of a child who has cancer, you Mm -hmm. know, and honestly, from the outside looking in. I don't know anyone that blames you for what your daughter went through. Yeah. And I I wish that you could feel that too mm-hmm. and embrace that. And I wish that anyone listening who may be going through something similar could embrace that same thing because it's just as real
3: yeah.
0: as those other things. Mm-hmm.
1: It's uh it's a, it's a terrible topic. Yeah. It's a necessary topic.
2: It's a topic that needs to be educated. That's Which right. is and,
1: and this is placing a lot upon you and I, I almost I'm loath to ask this, but I feel like I have to. Is there anything, any advice you can give to people in general, in specific, how can you help families Maybe prevent something like this, and and I know that's asking a lot of you, and and it may. And I know that because every again, situation is every yeah. situation is different, mm-hmm. right? Because there's nothing
3: you should have done different, right? There's not. Well, culturally, we lack resources. We, we lack do. the resources that just just like in you know I have children every day that need they need to see somebody. They, they have, have issues that require that's right. counseling services that either number one Medicaid doesn't pay for. That's right. Or number two, the people aren't there. Mm -hmm. They're just physically not there. Our area, we don't Don't have any. We we are struggling. Mm -hmm. We are struggling with those types of resources. So we can we can advise parents all day long, seek help,
2: do this, do that. They're not there. And then they fall into the well. We don't take your insurance. Right. So then these parents are like, okay. Well, then we're gonna move on. That's Mm -hmm. right. And but now I will have to say the one that Trent sees, Mary Pie in Valdosta she is phenomenal yeah she's phenomenal and you know she was like if I don't have it I'm going to find where we can get it and yeah. you know and she would tell about so there was actually another mother who her daughter committed suicide she was a cheerleader mm-hmm. she was everything you know very and, similar very, stories very, yeah very and i mean comparable. it just kind of came out of nowhere and but mary also did tell me that they were seeing a cluster of it happen mm-hmm. in Valdosta uh-huh. It's just like they don't... I feel like there is not the resources.
0: There's not... And I'm not trying to blame everybody's problems on social media, right. sure, yeah. but mm-hmm. I do think that that plays a lot in my opinion, mm-hmm. you know, because it's just a totally different mindset than what we're used to. Yes. And, and there's, there's so much hidden from
3: there's us a lot that we can't see. see. You, can, you can think you're all over it. That's let me right. tell you, those are the smartest, right. technically yes. gifted kids that have That's ever right. come through the world are coming and, right now. And the
0: stressors that they have, if they don't, if they leave somebody on read, whatever right. that right. means. But yeah, We didn't <laughs> answer you know. In right. 10 seconds. Oh my goodness. And then you know, and I think you know because of that. Like for example, when we were younger, if we were at home because we were in trouble or whatever over the weekend, it wasn't rubbed all in our face who all right. was at the party That's having right. fun. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, right. mm-hmm. and so now, and it's and it's hard to parent nowadays it too is. because of that because it's like how do you make her sit at home and not mm-hmm. let her go because she's then, see
2: everybody else? Yeah, right because we came from the uh, bag phone, right? right. Yeah. You you weren't texting and you weren't. seeing pictures pictures, yeah but and the beach you're behind yeah you know like you do you would feel guilt if you got on to them and like well you're not going out there tonight and then you'd feel bad because well now everybody's gonna make fun of them now everybody's gonna say oh well you couldn't do this because you got in trouble oh yeah so you know i would be a little pushover sometimes for carolina because i would just feel, feel heartbroken oh my god okay you go ahead Go ahead, because I don't want to. Then you it. begin that's to parent right. out of guilt. guilt. Yeah. That's right. you know, that's a whole other ballgame. That's right. So,
0: but it's it's so hard wearing, because of the situations yeah, they wrong, deal with. Wrong. It is. And
2: it's hard to parent. I can say that since this happened now, Trent, her brother and I, we we talk about Caroline. But it's, we've never sat down like that whole night, because his room was, was across from Caroline's. Like, they have just a little hallway. I never wanted him to see her. I never wanted him to see her like that. Because I was like, you know, that's the picture I don't get out of my mind. I don't want him to. But we don't ever bring up what that night and what happened. And, you know, I don't know if that's good. But, you know, in which Mary has said, she said, y'all need to talk about it. She said, but, Marnie, he won't talk to you about it because he don't want to see you cry. And I said, well, I don't want to talk. I don't want to say something because I don't want to make him cry. She said, who gives a shit? (laughs) Sorry. Cry. That that's what you got to do. I mean, you know, but I I think he I don't he doesn't tell me if he's sad, and you know, but I can kind of tell. Right, yeah. But he just handles and deals with it. that he, being the sibling to someone that committed suicide, he's done phenomenal. Absolutely, he yeah. has. He still, you know, like I said, he has a purpose, and I think his purpose was Caroline that keeps him going.
3: He's, he's been able to work through
2: survivor guilt. Mean, yeah. He definitely has yeah. survivor guilt. So, and he's done really good. Like, I was worried, oh my gosh, is he going back? What's he going to do? I mean, what's, right. but he just keeps on going. Yeah. And like I told him, I said, I was coming here to do this today. He's like, oh, that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. You know, and when I tell him, they did know your worth, did want Trent to speak, mm-hmm. being the sibling. Yeah and I told him I don't think I could ask him to do that you know and I did ask him and he said oh I don't know about that yeah you know he's not okay. yeah, yeah if he don't and I told him I yeah. said that is perfectly fine I said right. this just gives me the will to try to put one foot forward right. you know he I didn't don't say
3: he'd record yeah he did forth, but but say he yeah
2: that. he <laughs> said and then I came up with the idea for know your worth because there won't it to be when we have to teammates at the high school in November okay. yeah. I said, what about her very best friends, Carson and Morgan? Mm -hmm. And they were like, oh, yeah. I mean, I said, what if they could record, you know, what it was like losing their best friend to suicide, not knowing what was going on. You know, they didn't even know. And I said, Trent, you could do it. And he was like, oh, yeah, I would probably do that, you know. But it's just amazing. He's done phenomenal. That's
3: the other thing, too, is like, when they when they do have that big group of friends, then then they all become the patient. They all become yeah. their mamas are heightened and their families are heightened. Mm-hmm. So you know there there's a whole nother group of of, of issues, of patients, of, of needs. You mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. So. so
1: listening to all this, it's the mm-hmm. the love that y'all feel for Caroline and her brother, and both of your families is it's literally palpable mm-hmm. in the room. It is. You both have so much to be proud of as parents and
0: and and her legacy is one to be proud of
1: so i guess my question is because what you're doing is unimaginably difficult i'm sure i mean it's can't be placed into words so what are you hoping to get from telling people this story because obviously you're trying to help people
2: to try to save lives that's right just just, yeah just one one. if it could just be one
1: So it's worth all of your pain pain
2: to to save somebody, to
1: prevent this kind Mm -hmm. of pain in others. Well, and what a human, what mm -hmm. a person.
0: Well, and through Caroline is saving lives through you. Yeah.
2: And that's what I told Heather when April Thomason asked me to speak for the very first time to completely share the whole story Mm -hmm. because it's never been told. And I told her I'm not embarrassed about it.
1: You, you shouldn't know, I'm, be. Not, I'm not embarrassed yeah. about what happened Again, to
2: my child. I'm not embarrassed. Of course, I'll I'll share it. But I was just like, she's given me the purpose. I think that if she were here, she's telling me to do this. And then I said, I think that if she were here when Know Your work started, that she would be a big advocate for absolutely. it. Absolutely. And so that's what she is an said. advocate. For- she gives me the, okay, I'm going to go talk about this today. Now, and I said it to April, this should be Caroline's senior year of college. Mm-hmm. I said, it just gets me every time about this year because I'm like, mm-hmm. she should be fixing to graduate from college. I won't get to see her get married, mm-hmm. you know, I have children. But thank you, Caroline. Every day before, right. when I know I have to go right. speak, I always talk to Caroline. I'm like, Caroline, you gotta help me with it. Mm-hmm. Some days I'll cry through it and then some days it's like I can do it. Mm-hmm. And then when I leave, then I fall apart. Right.
1: So you have proof yeah. that yeah. you've already achieved, achieved your goal yeah. to you prevent have one death. One. And so everything from here on out is that's right yeah. A blessing. <laughs> well, because... and I
0: and I told you some when we were not recording that there I no, there will be lives saved that you'll never know about yeah because of caroline yeah. and because of you because of you being that vessel mm-hmm. you know relaying her message and her story i hope so i know that you will be i know so i do too mm. well i have a question and this is kind of for both of y'all um if there are any adolescents teens early twenty year olds listening, you know, what advice do y'all have for them? Do you have any advice for them just coming from a mama,
2: a parent? Talk to your parents. When they ask you something, they're not hell hacking you. Right. They're just looking at they want to make sure you're okay. That's right. They want you to be okay before they're okay. And they're not doing it to make your life miserable. They want to make sure you're okay and protected and safe and that you're not dealing with something that they're not going to be able to understand and that your parents aren't the bad guy, that they're there to help you. If they didn't ask, then they wouldn't want to help you. So they're asking because they want you to know that they are there to help you and will do what they can to help you if you talk to them.
0: That's right. Well, and maybe maybe for you, Heather, or both of y'all, what advice do you give to parents?
3: I, I say stay involved, you know, um, and, and even though you're shut out nine times out of 10, just go back, continue to go back. You know, um, I think if you ask either one of my kids, they'll probably tell you that they know I'm crazy and I, and I'll live by that. That's okay. Cause sometimes you have to show them that, that you are a little bit crazy and it works out for the best for me. I mean, I've, I've gotten mine this far with, with that kind of, with that kind of parenting. Um, but you know, just revisit it. Go, go back, go back. They turn you away, go back. That's all you can do, you know. Um, at the end of the day, they're not gonna realize until their parents their self one day. That's right. Um that, that's right that you really aren't crazy, that right. you really aren't mean mm-hmm. and that you really are smarter than they mm-hmm. ever gave you credit for. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, I did the same thing. You know, my mm-hmm. parents were divorced and I, I gave my mom a fit, but it didn't take me long to realize my mama was a very smart woman and she she raised uh independent girls. Um on our own. And, and, you know, we turned out fine. Now, you know, we had rough times, everybody does, you know, right. but, but that experience um, of being raised by, by a strong willed single mama, um, it makes you the same way you right. parent the same way. And so, you know, I, I think kids just, they want structure. They, they want, you know, they want to know that we care and, and we love them and uh, we just got to keep going back, right. you know, regardless of the outcome, just, just,
2: just keep trying. Right. You That's know? what I told mine. If I don't ask, then that's showing you I don't care. I said, but right. guess what? I do care. I do care. And I do love you. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I'm going to keep asking you that's right. and asking and asking. Might cause a blow up, but at least I ask. And they're, they're
3: going to always it's, have friends that maybe their, their mom parents don't ask. ask.
2: Because listen, Hey, let's be honest.
3: I think you said it earlier. We're all just putting one foot in front of the that's other. That's right. You know, no, I, I'm not judging anybody's parenting skills. And, and I, I hope to Jesus, nobody's, you know, judging right. mine. Cause mine have, have been off the chart at times and, you know, by the book sometimes and uh. And that doesn't matter because nobody's right. paying bills at my house. We're all doing me. the best so, we can. But well, you know uh, grace is for everybody. That's yeah. right. You know,
2: that's the right. scariest hood you'll ever go through is parenthood. That's, that's right. Your, that's there the is truth. No that is right. That is right. That's right.
0: Are there any risk factors that either one of you can identify? Because I know you say the signs were just not, the typical signs were not there for Caroline. Are there any signs that maybe people that you feel like, well, maybe that was a sign, but I didn't know it was a sign? And you may not have any, but are there any risk factors you can help parents you know, identify? she
2: took, in the letter that she wrote me, I should have brought it, but it said, I thought, because she was very involved, like, she would go to party. I'm not one of these mamas who thought my child didn't ever do this, because I was not well, going to ever be like that. We live in a small town, yeah. and that's and just... I mean, and I told her, where if y'all are going to a party, let me know you're going to a party, mm-hmm. you know, and just I would... Just be honest, honest. with yeah. me. Right. And she said in her letter... I thought that if I drank more, it would make me not feel so bad. Mm-hmm. She said that that I was only made it worse. Yeah. And then, you know, so at that moment, I mean, I didn't, I mean, I knew, yes, I'm not going to say I, I didn't think that my child didn't drink. because hopefully yes, none of us Or ever, had, or ever know, had. Hopefully none of us yeah, yeah, sit yeah, there and say that. I, right. I don't live in that world. But I was like, wow, I didn't really know. That you know, she was trying to mask something using it mm-hmm. as a tool, tool. yeah. Mm-hmm. But, um, mm-hmm. that's that's one thing, and just if your child probably, which you now Caroline taught, you know, that's that's what I'm just sitting so, here thinking is I think that's part of the problem. The problem. I think it's we, we don't look really, for
3: signs, and, 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 they're, and they're not, not there. there, they're not there, you know. Yeah. I, and I think, you know, like you know, reading in the books and learning in nursing school and learning, and you know, all this, you know, there are documented signs, but they're just they're not there anymore. They're you not. They don't have it anymore. They're not. You don't, and that's, that's part of the risk is that, you know, as educators, as parents, as medical right. professionals, we're looking for those boxes we can check off and they're just not there. They're not there. there. They're not, there. They're not and, there. And she can't be the only one they're not there for. We're yep. not foolish She's not. enough to think that, She's not. you know, that these kids that have, you know, everything in the world, you can't check those boxes, but you that's also right. can't check the boxes for the kid that has a mama that is not in their lives. That's yes, you know, exactly right. There's just no by the books, there's not mm. boxes. There's
1: not. Well, <laughs> I think lightning does strike. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's a real thing. And I don't know that there is a way to prevent that. But right. I think what you're doing, oftentimes there are signs. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes there are people with difficulties. Right, and right. oftentimes people have insight to these difficulties. Mm-hmm. And I think people will hear your story, hear Caroline's story hear your friend's story. Um, and maybe just, maybe you can turn someone around. You already have. Right. And yeah. so, um, you know, between the organ donation and the life you've already saved, yeah. you know, you're, yeah. you're doing better than most of the doctors I know. <laughs> That's right.
0: <laughs> well, and, um, Thinking back, you know, so we kind of touched on any advice for kids, any advice for parents, you know, and kind of circling back to what we're doing advice for healthcare workers. You right. know, I worked in pediatrics for eight years, mm-hmm. and you know, the kids come in for the well checks, and the ones for the adolescents is a little more in depth, and you know, they're supposed to go through the questionnaire and Front of their mama, and you know, answer it if they're drinking or if they're partying mm-hmm. or if they have any thoughts of hurting themselves. And who knows if that's even read, you know, or looked yeah. at, or if they're telling the truth. Because most time, you know, their mama's sitting there like that. Who knows him. if they're honest, but. I mean, can you give any tips for health care providers? Like, is there, I know you said your daughter's pediatrician who adored her, yes. you know, saw her that morning, didn't see any signs. Mm-hmm. We all know that he did not, or yeah. he would have done anything, Absolutely. everything, Absolutely. just like anybody would have. Um, but are, is there anything that you can think of for other people that maybe health care providers should do or ask or a way
2: they should ask or any tips? You know, it seems like it would be easier for the health care providers for the adolescents if their parent could be in the room because mm-hmm. I think they would be more honest mm-hmm. with you know mm-hmm. but I mean I know of course you can't do that because right. they're an adult. but I just just because from what we found out with this uh thing that what is it called here that goes through the school where the kids it's actually they just found out last year, April was saying that it's asking questions. Have mm-hmm. you thought about killing mm-hmm. yourself? Mm-hmm. Have you and this is something that is sent out to everybody It's a risk survey. Uh, yeah, okay. a risk and survey. So it goes like at the high, high school? school. Yeah. Okay. And she said getting it we were starting to see in middle school more and more and more. It's like I guess I think that they could be more honest. I know they might think their parents might be disappointed if my mama sees that I've been drinking, Mm -hmm. you know, so I'm not going to be honest and I'm not going to be honest with you that I'm really sad and really Mm -hmm. think about dying, Mm -hmm. you know, so I don't know. But, you know, to speak on that, though, if we could let
0: anybody know listening, you know, if you are having that thought, if that's your barrier for not seeking help
2: is your mama's disappointment. They're not disappointed because they'd much (laughs) rather have you here
3: absolutely, than
2: to know that, you smoked cigarette mm-hmm. or, right. or went to a party or they would much rather have you here. Absolutely. You know? right.
3: And I don't, I, I just personally don't think that medically we're going to catch a lot. I don't think them. so. I just either. don't. I, I think that they can be more anonymous in a school setting. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to talk to their friends. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, as parents, I think our job is to educate our kids to be good friends mm-hmm. and to, to listen out for their friends, That's right. you know, to, to know, to know what's inappropriate to know that you know it's not betrayal um right. to look out for your friends um but i i think that you know being able to respond anonymously is right. is probably where we're going to find it more is of it you're right mm-hmm. and
0: you know as healthcare providers it may be all that we can do is just try your best yes, to yeah. treat mm-hmm. every single person how you'd
3: want your own child, child to, to be treated sure. and right. not just assume because they have
2: friends or right. this or that or the that or because they they're be cheerleader because right. they're
3: you know miss yeah. beauty queen right,
0: right. that because yeah. they're, they're driving right. the
2: mercedes or right. they've got right. this yeah. you know that they're good yes that's, yep. right. that's yep. exactly right
1: if somebody wants to reach out to y'all for a speaking engagement mm-hmm. i don't know if y'all have a, a means or a route to do that yet um if not certainly Certainly, you can tell us if you do if not, they can always reach out through our website but i I think that people should consider that organizations, schools, yes, what should consider well since we've started doing school. this,
2: there's been where county has had a flu uh, an influx mm-hmm. of suicide, right. so where county is now taken in, they want to be part of know your worth mm-hmm. and I've spoke to several. Places in where county in which I got to go next week and speak, but it's there's more counties are starting to want to get it because they're starting to see it and they want it to be talked about. And because school wide, we have students that you know
3: they identify more with maybe the lunchroom ladies, ladies, or maybe the school nurse, maybe Mm -hmm. the counselor, maybe a teacher, maybe it could be the custodian. You don't know, so everybody needs to be educated on you know just building a relationship with these kids, you know
0: and. We are lucky because we we are from here, and we mm-hmm. know about the Know Your Worth yeah. Collaborative. And later in our show, we hope to have some of those individuals speak with us as, as well. But for those of for the listeners who may not know what Know Your Worth is, I know that's second nature for us. Mm-hmm. Tell them a little bit about what that is, if you don't mind. Know
2: Your Worth started um, a little over a couple weeks after Caroline passed away, and it was a pastor. Actually, the superintendent said, "What can we do?" We've got to, we can't, we got to save our kids. Something's not going, doing right. So a pastor, what was his name? It's been so many years ago. But anyway, they reached out to him and he, they met with different pastors and uh, preachers in the county. Mm -hmm. And one of the pastors said, well, we need to do know your worth. You know, we, he just threw that out there, and he said, "I think that we got to start educating the children and the adults on knowing their worth, mm-hmm. and that they do matter." And that's basically what Know Your Worth started, is to get the word out there that you do matter,
3: mm-hmm. no matter
2: what. You need to know your worth, and you do matter. So mm-hmm. then
3: it connected to, to like the FCA clubs, mm-hmm. things mm-hmm. like, like that. that. They had um, they had prayer around the pole. Poles. That's mm-hmm. where that was mm-hmm. born. Mm-hmm. Um, we had. They had a huge event at the stadium, mm-hmm. um, you know. So they had just just things trying to get the kids involved, um, you know, feeling like, you know, just right. just a comfortable place, right. you know, a, a safe place. They even right. go in
2: the school and they had a board where they wrote on st- an affirmation. Mm-hmm. They stick on like on sticky notes on yeah. board at the high school, and they filled it up. And then if anybody needed an affirmation, just something to make them feel. Right. It, They'd go and pull it off and oh, in awesome. no time they are steady having to refill that board. Yeah. You know, Amazing. and it's you know, they just said that they would just come by and grab it and you would have never thought. But really right. these kids need to know their worth.
0: They do. They do. And and I actually do believe that Caroline knew her worth and she still is worthy. Yeah. She's still touching mm-hmm. so many well, lives you. even today. Mm-hmm. But to go back to Mark's question, so that's a little bit about know your worth. Mm-hmm. You can find that online, but how can people find you guys online? Uh, or how can they contact y'all rather i'm sorry
3: i think probably by
2: email Email. is going to be the best Mm -hmm. way and um they can email marnie um they can yeah
3: what what's your
0: email it's
2: marnie m-a-r-n-i-e dot smith at coffee dot k-12 dot g-a Dot us okay and we'll link that, that in our yeah show notes mm-hmm. for everyone and and then heather's is the same way but he, hers is heather dot day mm-hmm. okay and the we'll whole link that. Part, yeah so if they would possibly like
0: to have y'all for a speaking engagement they could reach out yes, through sure. email mm-hmm. and again if we get a message we'll be more than happy to yeah. forward that on to mm-hmm. you guys because y'all's story is very touching mm-hmm. it is and when we you know in this idea came to me well actually I got the idea because I saw where y'all had spoken in Atkinson Atkinson County I didn't Uh realize you were doing it now and I was like oh you know that (laughs) maybe
3: but y'all are doing phenomenal
0: y'all are doing phenomenal and I'm I really want y'all to know that there is no doubt in my mind that there will be lives saved that y'all never even know about because of what y'all are doing Mm -hmm. and because of Caroline
2: well thank you you're welcome
1: I want to thank y'all for being here. Thank you for having us. I want to yes. tell you that Caroline is alive in a she different is. kind of way mm-hmm. than you would have wanted, but yeah, uh, but she does it's, live on. It's all. an amazing thing you're doing. Thank you. Thank, thank you.
0: thank you. Thank y'all. Thank you.
1: Well, Amanda, I believe what we just listened to is an example of the very best that human beings can be—to take such a tragic situation and turn it into a story of hope and good. What she's doing is brave beyond compare. It's informative beyond anything you can imagine, and the importance of what she's doing just simply can't be overstated. She's already saving lives, and her outreach just has to be expanded beyond what she's doing now.
0: I agree. Her compassion was palpable. Her genuineness was palpable, Um, both she and Heather, and the story that she has to tell and the story that Caroline has to tell is very important. And this is not an ending to Caroline's story, in my opinion. This is a beautiful new beginning. It's, and I'm honored that she's chosen us to share Caroline's story.
1: Yes, it's it's it truly is an honor. You know, help
0: share Caroline's story, I should have said. You know, that. in
1: 2022, over 49,000 uh, people in the United States committed suicide. It's the third leading cause of death. In the age group of 15 to 24 in Unless, 2022. And let's just
0: think about that for a second. Again, I'm not trying to interrupt. This is just a subject that's close to home for me. But the third leading cause of death for 15 year olds 16 year olds 17 year olds the third leading cause.
1: Yes, it's 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 a healthcare catastrophe. It's a it's something that needs to be approached by the healthcare system. It's difficult. You know, you just heard the story. There's oftentimes not, you know, uh, a foreshadowing of this of this event about to occur. At and,
0: least not in the way that we're teaching today. Right. Hopefully, this can help start to change that to a degree.
1: But there's that's five thousand five thousand uh, Americans between the ages of fifteen and twenty four commit suicide annually.
0: That's far too many.
1: And it's you know it's what we hope to do here at Mark Medicine is, we hope that healthcare providers can learn how important it is to be the type of provider that leaves patients and families knowing that you cared for them and you tried, no matter how horrific the circumstances. Mm -hmm. I mean, imagine what they lived through. Mm -hmm. Well, you heard it, you don't even have to imagine it. And, And yet they still care for the nurses and the paramedics. Right. And the people that came in and changed the linens and the doctors right. and the helicopter personnel, everybody, everybody that was involved in her care made the most terrible thing they will ever experience as good as it can right.
0: be. That's exactly what I was thinking. Because of the compassion that they were shown by the health care providers that they interface with, they have been able to turn what was the most horrific situation that they had ever faced into a pleasant experience if i may put it that way
1: at least pleasant in their relationship with right. those people yes. certainly not pleasant but right it's uh you know it
0: right and you know being a health care provider may not always be what the textbooks say it may not always be making sure you have the right patient and the right medication and you're giving it at the right time and the right dose it may be bringing in the nail polish braiding the hair bringing in the blanket just being kind just treating them the way that you would want to be treated
1: it's a terrible and wonderful responsibility all at the same time what we do
0: it is it is and to have this opportunity to hopefully share stories like this with listeners with the world and you know help healthcare care providers understand that hey we do impact people's lives just like we said with marnie you know i truly believe that you'll make an impact on people that you'll never even know about i believe the same thing about healthcare providers you know you will be making an impact on the people that you interface with you may not ever think about them again and that's okay because we come in contact with so many people you can't possibly remember them all but there is a possibility that they all will remember you
1: Thank you for listening and one more point I'd like to make is that anybody out there hearing us, if they're having a crisis or thinking about suicide or having problems in general, you can always call or text the 988 Suicide and Crisis Lifeline. This is a resource that is available 24-7-365 to help you. It's very analogous to the 911 system. You dial 988 and you will hear a pre-recorded message as they connect you to regional or local people to speak with you about your situation. Uh, It's a very good resource, and it's uh, something that people may not know about like they know about the 911 system, which is always the ultimate fail-safe system in life that you can call if you have another.
0: Right. And to find us, go to our website at markedmedicine.com. That's M-A-R-K-E-D medicine.com. And on our website, you will find links to our social media pages. You also find um, a button, you know, like Mark talked about earlier that you can click on, ask Mark, you can submit questions. We would like to hear from you in the future. Again, if you have a story to tell, we'd love to hear from you. Let us know. And thank you all so much for joining us and for listening. And we hope that you will join us in the future.